everybody, and welcome to another edition of History After Hours. My name is Kevin Pumphrey, and with me like normal is Mr. Ron Franklin. Mr. Jeremy Nixon was unavailable today, but I'm sure he will be back with us next time. We are recording this on Thursday, January 20th, 2022. It is our first podcast of the new year, and in this episode, we start off talking about the new wave of covid that is wreaking havoc on our nation at this point. We also talk about what it's like teaching during this time. We go into a little bit of the Russia-Ukraine story that is developing. We talk a little bit about the division that is happening within the United States, and we look at it from a historical perspective. And then we end talking a little bit about family history. So, with all that said, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, History After Hours, it is January 20th, yep. 2022. This is our first podcast of the new year. Welcome to the new year. Yeah, we're missing um, Mr. Nixon because like most people, he had a COVID scare. And so, yeah, he's not on the podcast today, so, so it's just a, a best duo. Best wishes. <laughs> That's a... Thoughts and prayers. I mean, that, that sounds disingenuous, but I really mean that. He's, I mean, he's fine, but yeah. you know, out of precaution, sure. Let me ask you, just kind of as we start off, we're, you know, this is our first podcast back from Christmas break, and we have been dealing really since day one, this, I guess, the new variant plus the old Delta variant, and it's been, you know, ravaging the area why do they and, call and it, the nation. Well, I'm sure there's a scientific reason why they call it Omicron, but that just sounds like, I don't know, it, it sounds harsher than Delta. It does. I have the Delta variant, Omicron. Yeah. And now, have you seen the, the potential new mixture of the two? I, I laugh about that. Why am I laughing? Like, this, it's not funny. What is it? Delta Cron? Omicron. Yeah, Delta Cron. Is there a Delta Cron? Sounds like a transformer. It does sound like a transformer. <laughs> oh, man. It is transforming. Delta Cron. So that works. A symbol. Uh, sadly. <laughs> Delta, a symbol. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, Voltron. That's the old, that's kind of like the cat one. It wasn't a Transformer, but it was kind of like a Transformer. What are you talking about? Thundercats? What are you doing? I don't know. There was one called Voltron. I guess that's what it reminded me of. Anyhow. But uh, So how many more variants are there? You know? Oh, I don't know. How many more are coming? So I saw this morning, they're like, there's a sub-variant of Omicron. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> what wow. now? It's to the point where I just don't, I just kind of shake my head, you know? We get all the way down to Zetacron. <laughs> yeah, right. Just keep on adding adding new crons. Well, uh-huh. I, you know, okay. So, but on a serious on a super serious note, don't you think that this is following a similar trend to what we studied then about the Spanish flu in you know 1918 or post World War One? I? I, I saw some scientific person saying this, and I don't know if I, I don't know if you've heard this or not. I don't know. So three waves basically out of that one too. The third wave was sort of, I mean, it mutated and transformed and then hit another large group of people. But then that was sort of it. it it, the variant itself wasn't as deadly as the first two, although it was more widespread. So, But then after that, it kind of started to taper. And I wonder, like I hope, now that we're hitting this third wave, that this is kind of really – we keep saying this. We're going to turn the corner. You know? Yeah. I mean, have, maybe we're really about to do that, although the numbers in our state and actually in the country, they don't seem to be going down anytime soon. Yeah, I think I talked to my personal doctor and he said this if this virus acts like a normal virus, the the mutation should be weaker but more contagious. And getting this variant of the virus will still build antibodies which should be good for the next one. Since so many people are getting it, getting reinfected whether they've had the vaccine or not, they are getting more of a natural immunity. And if enough people have that, then you could see how this could be the last big Maybe. push of this virus. Well, you gotta, but you gotta hope that there's something, whether it's vaccines or natural immunity that's developed after contracting some sort of lighter variant, a, a lighter, you know, you don't have a major symptomatic episode, you're not hospitalized with it and you catch some protection from that like maybe that's the key ultimately. I know we're treating this one different. You know, when the, when the OG coronavirus happened, uh, which I contracted in November of 20, I guess, when I had it. 
was it that long ago? I don't know. My everything's messed up. I don't know what's what. But um, I rem- you know, when we were at school, if somebody, if a student had it, tested positive, mm-hmm. it was like, hold the phone. Who was around this kid? Yeah, yeah. The nurses it, come barging in and we're in hazmat, hazmat suits. suits and, <laughs> yeah. Now it's with, like, with, yeah, with, everybody's with got it. Tape measures and rulers and who sat where and where's your seating chart and yeah. Yeah, and don't you feel like now it's just like, yeah, everybody's got it. So I mean, I'm getting emails every day. Hey, I've tested yeah. positive. I'll be back next week. I don't yeah, I, tested I, I, positive. I'm I'm, I, I'm cautious to be flippant about it though. I know. And here's why. I was watching some stuff from the Arkansas CDC and uh, Arkansas Department of Health yesterday, and they are saying, look, we're, we're calling this a milder version, but it's not mild. It's milder. And mm-hmm. people are, they think that there's misinformation about that. And people are saying, well, it's no big deal. So I can just go off. Our case numbers are like skyrocketing. We had nearly 50, well, we had 14 and a half thousand yesterday new cases. Hospitalizations are at a new high in the state. Several major, major uh, health facilities in Little Rock are like, look, we're, at, we're maxed out. If we get much more, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so what they were saying, what, what the health officials were saying yesterday is, it's not over. So calm, you know, right, pay attention. Yeah. Uh, do what you need to do just to keep yourself protected. Don't don't be don't be ridiculous and think that this is something that can't affect you, especially if you're unvaccinated. So they ran the numbers yesterday too, just for a little bit of logistics here. Uh, so here's some statistical things: sixty, I want to say sixty-five, or was it sixty-eight percent of all the people who are hospitalized right now in this state are unvaccinated. Thirty. Two ish or thirty three ish percent are double vaxxed, and three percent are also boosted. So that gives you a real clear indication of how much the vaccines are actually keeping people out of the hospital. And for the people who are choosing not to be vaccinated, like how much this is actually hammering them. I mean, mm-hmm. and and if they're in the hospital, like that's a big deal. Like you deal with it at home, you get a a light symptomatic case of this, and you can walk away and you know you've had a little bit of fatigue and maybe a headache then good on you but we need to understand that that is there are it's still hitting people you know even with this other variant and so we got to be vigilant about that too i think and i, and I yeah. don't think i don't think our newsboys have been doing a really good job of saying hey nor do i think the uh our every every day the governor comes on tv and he says um, I expect that people are going to do the right thing and wear their mask and social distance, but we're not going to mandate anything. And I'm not necessarily advocating for mandates, but stronger language than that might seem more appropriate, especially right now when you have like record numbers and they're predicting, this is a prediction that happened two or three weeks ago, and we'll see if it comes true. They're predicting maybe 20,000 cases a day before this peaks in our state. I mean, that's, mm. that is still, that's pretty stunning, really. So, uh, you know, on one hand, I hope we're turning, finally, we keep saying that, we're turning the corner. I hope that that's finally true, but this is yeah. not over. It does seem, and, and of course, we are school teachers, so we're just, we can only talk about what we experience here. But I, I just know last year, I would like to know, of course, people were virtual. So, but I'm, I'm thinking about how many people actually got COVID versus how many people were quarantined because somebody they know or somebody yeah, else yeah. in the class got yeah, we're it. we're not seeing as much of that this year. Um, what, what we see this year is I've tested positive, I've tested positive. I mean, I've seen so many students say that. And really, that's kind of the only way you get to be quarantined now. I mean, a few people have been quarantined in my class because they were with somebody that tested positive. Mm-hmm. But with all these new rules, and of course we have you know, new a lot rules. of those kids. Sorry to interrupt you, but I know a lot of those kids were like, "Oh yeah, I was quarantined, but I wasn't sick." But then it got me it too got, yeah. while I was yeah. So yeah, that's something else is people are testing, but they're testing too early, and this variant for some reason it's taken a while to show up on the test. So they're telling people when you first get your symptoms, wait a couple of days to get tested. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything other than that's what I'm hearing now. You know, it, it's just interesting. I wonder if, if it's part because we have so many more students that are testing positive and it doesn't seem that we're taking the same strict precautions we were taking before, plus fatigue of just being on the third year of this mm-hmm. and being like, you know, we're, we know, here's here we go again. I don't know, do but I just know it do you feels think we're making different. A mis- do you think we're under underreacting at this point? Or do you think it's just like, this is what we should have done to begin with? Like, what do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I really don't. Um, You know, study after study, of course, shows that for children, although there are exceptions, you know, it's pretty, pretty mild for them. 
comorbidities for older people, you know, that's always going to be the biggest issue. Since we teach out of school with mostly young people, now staff members, of course, Mm -hmm. that's another thing. I don't know. It was just such a dramatic, you know, we started the year, I guess we started the year without masks, or we started with masks and then we took them off shortly after. And now they're back on. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't but know. Every school is kind of doing it their own way. Yeah. You know, we had just last week, there were, we were the only school in the county, I think, that kept the doors open. Everybody else switched to virtual for two or three days there to finish out the week and then come into the, the, the Dr. King holiday mm-hmm. to try to give it one more day uh, to, 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 I don't want to say dwindle, but that, you know, but right. to, to, to ease off, I guess, the infection rates because it was happening so, I, you know, that you were getting two or three kids a day out of a lot oh, of different yeah. classes that were being pulled, pulled, pulled. Hey, you got to go home. Hey, you got to go home. Or kids going, hey, I don't feel well. I need to go down and get checked out. Like I've had uh, several kids do that and then they just didn't come back and they email me later. Yeah, I'm at home. Although, thankfully, from the kids that I've talked to that have come back, you know, they've had you know, fatigue and I had a headache and I was down for a couple mm-hmm. of days, but they've, so they've had... I, I don't know anybody here, at least. I don't personally know anybody who's had a real hard time with it. Although right. I know people are having a hard time with it. Otherwise, the hospitalizations wouldn't be up. Right. Yeah. It. You know. Yeah. It seems to be milder, and it's. But in it. Also, it might be disheartening for a lot of people because it seemed like at first, oh, let's wait for that vaccine. As soon as that vaccine, and then not everybody got it. Some people got it. Then, then okay, you got to get another one. So we got another. One. And then okay, you got to get boosted. And then even with all that, people still got the virus. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, it, wh- what do we do? And I don't think it's e- – and there's a lot of misinformation, of course. The CDC, of course, has to change their protocols. I, I just wonder, like, it's just not easy to figure out exactly what to do, what's going on. Don't you think it's easy common as you sense think? should play in here somewhere? How would you normally protect yourself if you were around people who were sick? you would normally distance yourself. You would probably try to limit your exposure to them. Maybe you put on a mask. I mean, I mean, I don't, it seems like those, those should be simple things to do, but I think people have gone for whatever reason in the opposite direction, running full, full force. You know, I've, I've heard of people having COVID parties. Have you heard of this? I know. It, I have. Yeah. I, like, what are you doing? You know, cause, and you may be fine, right. but at the same time, like you're rolling the dice because somebody there might have. I don't. I haven't heard as much about blood clots with this variant. That was one of the big Mm-mm. things with the original, right? Um, yeah. Uh, people were catching blood clots, and next thing you know, they're not coming out of the hospital mm-hmm. in you know the same way they came in. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's rare, but I've heard that. But I haven't heard it as much with this one. I just don't know if that if that information just not being promoted. What do you think about the criticisms of the of the Biden administration for the uh, you know, for their response? You know, how do you feel about the response? And how do you feel about the criticism? Do you think they should have done more? Because that's what a lot of people are, are, are and they're questioning them directly. Because Biden had a uh, a press conference yesterday, first one of the year, and he's like, he fielded questions for more than an hour. I think Biden is in a no-win situation and has been since the beginning. He inherited a polarized uh, country with a federal structure. You have states that can do a lot of things. This is one of those things that it's hard for a president to just roll in with mandates. I mean, obviously, you can declare a national emergency. There's probably certain avenues he could take, but politically, he would— Supreme Court just said that his mandates were illegal and banished them. Did yep. you see that? Yeah. So I, he's just in a no-win situation. I don't know how what you about, handle Okay, it. what about the—they um, were really criticizing over the testing. We need more rapid testing, rapid testing. We need—why can't people get rapid testing? I, first of all, I don't know why you need a rapid test, but maybe you do. We seem to have plenty here at school. The, the rapid that, tests are just ha- as good as the long-term one. At least you could know and notify people quickly. Well, I wor- when you- I worry about at-home tests, if you're doing your own rapid right, test, yeah. I worry you're not doing it correctly. No, are you? Are yeah. you how do you? Because I, I haven't. Well, I haven't done one. Maybe there's somebody who monitors you. Do you have to Zoom call while you stick the thing up your nose? I don't know. We've what you done do. them. You bomb at Walgreens, and we've done them. You have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And well, how do you, but how do you know you're doing it right? Well, it it, it has instructions, okay. and it's the you know it's it's not like the deep swab oh, in the not. nose. It's the it's just right under the. Uh, okay, it tells you what to do. Well, because I know when I went and got tested a couple of different times, when I thought I'd had an exposure, like they were like swabbing my medulla oblongata. Oh yeah, you feel that. it, <laughs> feel it in your toes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had that one too. Um, and, you know, and now of course the the Biden we we ordered our four at home tests. Uh, you can go go right now to. Why did you feel the need to get those? 
Because uh, I, because I'm still. Well, I mean, I'm we had deb- home tests. I'm we still debating on whether I want to do that. I mean, well, I don't know why I need. We, I don't. Do I need to do that? Um, you know, we have kids, and as kids do, they get stuffy noses. And now you're so wondering. You're, is so that, you're. Curi- I can do this conveniently at home without having to rush them to the clinic or the walk-in it's thing sold or out everywhere so if you rush them and of course the school's doing a great job at it right. so we can we and we actually did take them yeah, yeah, bravo, for this yeah. one. but uh like walgreens they're all sold out you could go like we the drive-through thing but then it's three to five days before you find out so do they just miss all that school if you mm-hmm. could find out then then come back to school the next day if they're negative oh i got you okay so, so so we got these home tests just to, and you know, when kids get stuffy noses all the time or a headache or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you just want to find out, well, is that this, or is it just normal? Cause you know, we're also in Arkansas where allergies are out of control. <laughs> so you don't, you know, for me, it was just like, well, let's at least have some assurance that it's not COVID, even though it's mild and all that, at least we know it as quick as possible. So we, we ordered four more. Cause once again, there's four of us in the house. Sometimes I haven't been five. dramatically inconvenienced anytime I felt I needed to go get a test, though. And so I, no. that's when they said, you need a rapid test. I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I do. If And if I had kids at home, that would probably be different as well. Yeah, because we're giving it to each other, and we just need to figure out what <laughs> what are we giving to each other here. It. <laughs> yeah. It always take runs. It for a, you hold this for a while. Yeah, that's kind of what happens is somebody gets it, and then it runs through the family over the course of a couple of weeks. And so we just want to identify, well, what's running through the family over the course? Is it a common cold, yeah. or is it... Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Well, um, so they so you can order those online now. Yeah, you can go to whatever it is, uh, COVID test with an S dot gov, and you can just put type in your address, and they'll send you four tests for free. Okay. So you know, I think, actually, this failure of testing was the failure in the Trump administration. Had we had access to quick, reliable tests on a massive scale and could track COVID better, I think we could have mitigated how, you know, because we didn't do well when this thing first hit, before the vaccine came out. We did good with getting the vaccine together, I think. Well, that's what I was going to say. The one thing I could probably say is like, hey, you all pulled together and got that put together in a record time so yeah we didn't have the mechanics in place to get a bunch of tests out to a bunch of different people because remember that was you know he he famously said well if you want a test you can have a test and that wasn't the case they couldn't get tests so so with that being said when the biden administration comes in knowing that was the case why do you think that or do you think that it was just still no matter what they did it was going to be it's going to take longer yeah, at that you know, point, uh, tracking cause, is... Because I've heard people sort of insinuate, and may, some people actually outright blame them for dragging their feet, and you should have known better, and why weren't you doing this sooner? So what do you think about that? Yeah, and once again, as I always say to my students, the president gets way too much blame or credit for anything. So it's easy to say Biden or the Biden administration, but he's fighting governors all over as well, plus all these activist groups. I, I don't know that there's anything he could have done different. I, and also, you know, there's been inconsistencies from the scientific community. We've known for pretty much from the beginning that the vaccines work, they are effective. Now, they're less effective, of course, against this new variant. We know that now. Well, less effective from keeping you from getting it, but more, but still effective from keeping you from dying from it. Yes, le- less, less effective to to overall. Yeah, so we want to be... But, yeah. but yes, effective in keeping you from dying or being hospitalized. Of course, it all depends on you, right? It, and that that's something else. It's almost I, like being grazed as opposed to being shot. Right. Yes. And I think the biggest weakness to me of the whole response is there's been zero public push or education for how to boost your immune system. Mm, which that's true. can also mitigate some of the major effects, hospitalizations and deaths. You having been a health trainer guy at one time, like what would you say for people who want to try to boost their immunity? Aside, I mean, you, hey, get the vaccine. But, but aside from that, what could I do normally, naturally, day to day that would make me less susceptible to disease yeah. in general? And I think it's common knowledge to most people, but maybe it's not, which is make sure you're getting good sleep. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Try to eat healthy. Limit the sugars and the things that can cause more inflammation in the body. Salt. Salt, things like that. Uh, make sure to take vitamins. Uh, you know, vitamin C, vitamin D, which 70% of people are uh, basically deficient. deficient in because we are creatures of the outside, yet we stay indoors too much. Mm. Uh, and that's where you get most of your vitamin C naturally. You know, supplementing with vitamin D and C and zinc has shown to be pretty effective in boosting your immune system and helping you, even if you get it, 
your body's able to fight back quicker. Yeah, you're already stronger. And of course, keeping your body at a a, a weight. Okay, I was going to suggest is, that. You know, I, I, well, suggest. I was going to say that too. I heard that um, if you are if you have a certain body mass index or you have an obesity issue, like that can be really a factor because your body yeah. is less likely to be able to fight. That is the itself. number one predictor of having a hard time with COVID is obesity. Oh, really? Yeah. Of all the things, because once again, obesity causes high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, yeah, diabetes. Right. Being at a larger body size makes your whole body half. You're just just a pound of fat. You have all these blood vessels, and your heart has to pump blood through all of that. So it has to work harder automatically. Breathing is more difficult. Hmm. You need more oxygen for the blood if it's having to go through that pound of fat. Sure. So you don't think about your your capillaries and blood vessels going through a pound of fat, but just so the more fat you have on your body, so it's it's constricting. It's constrict. So you're already at a weak point. Then you get something like this, and it can take you out. So keeping uh. your body at a healthy you know, fat content, you know, you don't have to be a superstar athlete. And by the way, obviously athletes can get it and die from it too. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not the only reason. Um, but it does seem to be the number one predictor for all the other, uh, problems is obesity. Is it hard to remember what it was like before? It's, it's, it's becoming more, it's like this distant light in the background of my mind going, this was, this was, this is what it was like before we transitioned into all of this. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, I remember it, but at the same time, it's not like, it's not my day-to-day reality anymore. Like all those things I took for granted, just go and do whatever you want, mm-hmm. whenever you want, that kind of thing. Now I'm always like conscientious about crowds and oh, yeah. who's wearing what and how, you know, you're, somebody sneezes and you're automatically like, uh. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. We should not even think about it. I'm not it. paranoid, but at the same time, I'm very conscientious you're aware yeah. yeah and it's good to be aware yeah if i see a picture of a, a crowd you're just like oh it's just for a second just like what what's oh yeah okay watching some of the nfl playoffs recently or the college playoffs and the national championships and you see all those people together and you're like i mean just part of me goes uh well it's it, funny you bring this up because i asked my 13 year old daughter last night do you remember well what it's like before all this happened you know she was 10 9 10 years old when this started oh yeah now, for her, there's not much life before that. For us, we got decades, <laughs> yeah, sure, and yeah. we still can't remember because we adapt so quickly. And she just really quickly, she goes, yeah, I think they're going to change AD and BC to pre-C and post-C, pre-COVID, post-COVID. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I hope not. But, uh, <laughs> but she's like, yeah, I'm ready. She she just acted like, let's, let's get this behind us, you know. And... Anyhow, I, I don't know. It's interesting to see how ch- children, you know, children, you have a granddaughter that's been born during this. Like, yeah. this is all she knows. And a lot of kids don't remember what it was like two, three years ago. No, she, she'll she'll never know a life before this. I'm hoping that by the time she becomes more fully aware of larger things, that this will have passed us in some way that we can be more what we were like pre you know yeah pre-COVID. i cringe every time somebody says so she, uh, she's still young enough now she's only two yeah right and so everything is there's a lot of things hidden from her you know what i mean not that right she, she's just not old enough to understand certain realities and people adapt to the reality around yeah. them she's not thinking oh i wish i was born before COVID. No, but what we've noticed though <laughs> is that if, if we're out with my daughter and, and and she has scarlet with her that uh you know she's been she's getting better but at first she was if we if she was in if we were in a public place it made her a little nervous because she's been, even though she goes to daycare and there's a lot of kids there, being around a lot of adults is something that hasn't been part of mm. her life in in the way that, uh, like it would normally would have. You right. Know? Yeah. She, so there's a weird, uh, there's a certain amount of social, uh, um, socialization that she hasn't been privy to because yeah. she's been quarantined. You know, the first year of her life, the first six months for sure, because she was born at the end of 2019. Uh, you know, she was, she was, three months old when this all started, basically. Uh, she's been locked down. That's crazy. Know, in those formative moments. And so it, it's- Those been, are it's, formative, yeah. Yeah, and so it's taken some time. It's it's happening, but it's taken some time for her to be more comfortable with big noises and, and, and lots of, like I said, not so much about kids. Kids, whatever, yada, yada. But she's not as, she's been, she's been, uh, you can see it in her eyes. She's just a little bit, uh, when there's a lot of adults. Who's around. in charge here? <laughs> yeah, like what's happening? 
It's just unusual, right? And so she and she knows that it's unusual, and so she's trying to. But I, but it's also cool to see her learn to deal with that, like you said, adapt. You right. Know? Well, I, I cringe when people go, "It's the new normal." I don't want it to no, be the no, new normal. Not. No, it's not. I don't want it to be. It's the next Abby normal. It's not. Yeah. But yeah, I you know, I don't know. I know some schools, you know, they chose to go virtual for a week. I don't know if Lake Hamilton's back in this week. I think they are. You know, they they tell us that we're kind of getting over the hill, hopefully here in the next few days. And We've had I, a lot of kids come back this week that mm-hmm, were out last week. I did week. too, yeah. So, so I don't I, know. I, I, boy. I would not want to be an administrator making Aren't you so glad decisions. that we're not virtual, though? Oh, that Absolutely. online teaching was uh. – I'm telling you, you can – people can be negative and all that, but I'm trying to stay positive, and the way I do it is I compare this year to last year. You know what gets me too is, and, and and no offense to anybody across the country doing what they think is right, but how, okay, we have we taught all last year through this with as many kids who could show up, and we taught for the kids that were online. We fixed did stuff for them. Our doors have been open, mm-hmm. and we haven't missed a beat this year at all. And I look around the country and I see teachers unions who are who are fighting going back into the classroom, and and we talk about uh, I think the Chicago teachers have been on the news quite a bit and how they refuse to go back in these blockades and these protests and and when will the kids go back to school? And I'm like, I, really? We've been doing it the whole time. Yeah. And I, not that I'm seeking special recognition, but at the same time, if we can do it, you can freaking do it. You know, yeah, what's, I the, mean, what's the holdup? I heard uh, a union leader in the teachers union say, we're not going back until it's 100% safe. Well, that's never going to be a and thing. And it's never been that way. I mean. Yeah, ne- it never was before. How are you, mm-mm. how can you guarantee 100% safety? Nobody could do that. That's asinine. So once again, you go back to risk management. You have to take risk. If We can't eliminate risk. We, we take a big risk every time we get in our automobiles. So yeah, you've got to live with risk, and I don't want to live in fear, you no. know. So, but doesn't it surprise you, or it did me anyway, when I saw that that they're still arguing about going back I into know. the classroom, and these kids, I, I worry about like what what have they been doing because they haven't been, they're not online either. I don't think are they? I, I, I don't know. No see, I, I don't know that part of the story. I shouldn't say too much there because I don't know. But they definitely have not been in the classroom, and we know from last year's experience, just being half off mm-hmm. letting you know, kids be virtual was, was a bad idea dang that was hard and so anyway i, I just wonder I, I need to check on that more to see what have they gone back now have they come to an agreement I yeah and I, it's different right it's different d- different states different locales i'm sure right. it's different uh depending on where you live i feel bad for the students that are at home forced to be at home when you know there's even no, no even option of coming to school mm-hmm. so I, i'm kind of glad that we were able to keep rolling i mean that's what i'm saying but i mean if if we should be a model of some sort of efficiency, like if we have been able to keep the doors open. Yeah. And I know that we're a rural state and I know that we're, a, but still, I mean, we have classrooms filled with students and we function, you know, there, we have kids in fairly close proximity and we teach, you know, we teach the students that are here and we have, you know, this year we're classes are back to normal size. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, if we can do that, you can too. Like I'd, I'd, I'd like to see, and I haven't, Spoken to anybody from these other states or these other districts, I don't know what their actual argument is. I would I would be interested to hear it, like one on one. You know, I have no idea other than it's a way to get some political points and oh, some more yeah. power. I mean, you know, it's it's a shame that COVID turned immediately into a political thing. You've that, said this before. You you hoped it would be something that would bring us together. I think. So. I mean, it's international. You know, I heard so many people go, oh, well, when the, the presidential election is over, I bet you won't hear about COVID. And like, they will in Italy and Greece and like, it's all over the <laughs> no, world. No, they're all faking it just for our Yeah, so, you know, asteroid impact. Propagandizing. Well, this, of course, goes back. I don't know if you saw that. You had mentioned that Netflix movie, Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. So that's did kind you, of a, Did you see it? I did. I, I actually uh, heard one of the producers interview it. And of course, it's kind of a spoof on how we're treating climate change. Sure, sure. But you could, you could apply it to COVID. That, you know, that everything's political and they have to measure everything, how they say, and they're ignoring some certain scientific things. And, yeah, I mean, I, I thought asteroid impact, alien invasion, a virus pandemic, I, it, this should bring us together because it's not political. It doesn't care if you're Republican or Democrat. And, you know, same thing if an asteroid's headed our way, <laughs> you know. What are we going to say about that? It's Nancy Pelosi. She put that asteroid, she you know, or whatever. You knew it was coming. You didn't do anything about it. Yeah, let's argue. So oh, yeah, I I don't. We're just in that time. So 
Well, let's move to another topic because we're going to be dealing with this probably. <laughs> yeah, well, people are probably yeah. sick of hearing about okay. COVID. Well, say something else. Okay. Um, teach me, at least briefly, if you can summarize what in the world is happening with Russia and Ukraine and what is our response, if any. I know it's um, that's a pretty rich topic when be, you talk about that relationship. Be brief. I, I don't know. Yeah. Can you give <laughs> me sure. 100, 200 years, 300 years of history and two Sum that up in a sentence, can you? Okay. Um, Act like I'm a five-year-old and tell me what's going on. <laughs> okay, <they're>, it's complicated. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the word unpack? <laughs> well, I'm about to unpack. Can I unpack this for you <laughs> yeah. in, a, in three sentences or less? No. I, um, what, well, I'll tell you what's happening, first of all, and uh, we've had some conversations with some kids today, juniors and seniors mainly, who were, who have been watching this and are concerned about it because they're, you know, history and politically minded people because they're still with us <laughs> as juniors and seniors. Uh, and so Russia is poised to, uh, invade Eastern Ukraine, which you, the, the Ukraine is a country that used to be part of the old Soviet system and, they bounced out as the Soviet system fell apart in the early 90s and became an independent country. But they've they've had, even since that time, sort of close ties with the new Russia, you know. Um, and, and their government, up until fairly recently, has been sort of, not I wouldn't say in the pocket of Vladimir Putin, but, you know, they've, they're friendly, on, or at least uh, more friendly with them than they are with the West. And so they're in this weird position of do we do we become more like the Western countries? Do we stick closer to our sort of Eastern heritages from the Cold War era? Um, and there's this battle in the country about which way they need to go. And in the capital of Kiev specifically, you've had lots of turmoil as of late because there was a president. I looked his name up earlier, but I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. I apologize for that. Pet, Petronov or something like that. And he had been a pro-Putin, pro-Russia kind of guy. Well, the country was pushing hard, especially from like western part of Ukraine on. We, we would like to get closer to NATO. We would like to be more friends with the United States and with Britain and France and all the, right, those, the trade that comes along with those friendships and less likely to they, – they wanted to kind of distance themselves from Russian uh, um, influence. Well, the governor, I know the governor, the president cracked down on that, and there were riots and protests. This was in 2014 and 2015, and they mm -hmm. overthrew that guy. He fled to Russia. Is now, I think he's still living in Moscow, actually, and they replaced him with a more Western-friendly government. During that same time frame, Russia took it upon themselves in a, in a really strategic move to take advantage of the situation that was unfolding in you know the violence in Kiev, they ran through and took a strip of land in, in near the Black Sea and then took the Crimean Peninsula. So they've been occupying that and they've claimed it as their own. So it's sort of been sitting here ever since with that dynamic in place. What's going to happen now that this has gone on? They're not going to give the Crimea back to Ukraine. Nobody can kind of make them. Ukraine's not part of NATO, so we can't. We don't really have any justifiable. Uh, military options there. We don't. They're not part of an alliance that we're guaranteed to go and protect. They've chosen not to be part of NATO. And and in the eastern, the very eastern section of Ukraine, Russian troops have been helping an incursion against the government uh, by people who live in that area. So you have an uprising that's gone on for multiple years now. At at one time, Russia was sending in troops, but they didn't have Russian emblems on their on their uniforms. Mm. So they weren't technically from anywhere. Um, we know now, like they, they've been accused of being Russian troops, and now we know that they were. Now Russia is openly sort of funneling money and weaponry to these separatists, and they have troops on the ground there too. In support roles, I suppose. So it's not like an invasion has happened, technically. But as of as of late, within the past few months, like Russia has really been amping up their military presence on the borders. Um, right now, they've got nearly 100,000, or maybe more than that now, 100,000 troops on the borderlands north and south of this area I was talking about. And they've been streaming in train loads full of military equipment and trucks and Humvees and tanks and all kinds of stuff. In response, throughout these years of this buildup, we've been adding more military weaponry into our NATO allies in the region, which would be like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, right? So these areas that, that joined us after the fall of the Soviet Union and... So now we're, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. So a lot of people are nervous about that. Is there going to be an invasion? I think there probably will be. I don't know how soon, but it looks like they're probably going to do it. I would, I would guess before the month is out, maybe early March, but I don't know. 
if they don't do it, I'd be surprised. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm not actually predicting that, but I, it feels like this is something different than we've seen in the past few years. Th- now, the, the next thing is, what's the Western response, if anything? And I don't know, really, our hands are kind of tied. There's not much we can do about it. Um, Ukraine may seek help, but if we give assistance to a non-NATO country, will, will NATO do something? Not, probably not without our permission, even though we don't control NATO per se. If a, if, a, if a state near Ukraine takes a hit, even accidentally, then we have justification to do something else. But we mm. really don't need this to devolve into a bigger war. I don't think no. it, even, if they, even if they do invade, they're not looking to take the whole country, I don't think. It doesn't make sense. Uh, the further east you go in Ukraine, the more Russian-minded people are, the more ethnic, ethnically they would be, the more politically leaning towards Russia. So it makes more sense that they would take sort of this little eastern third or maybe eastern fourth, I guess, if I look at the map. Uh, is that kind of how it breaks up is the people on the east would be for yeah, joining they, Russia? They do have, yeah, so there's more support there for this actual moment. I think that I, th- I think people who are there are would, would be glad to rejoin Russia. I don't think that they like being part of Ukraine. I think there's, and I'm, I'm not calling this a, a nationalist movement necessarily, but, you know, I, th- I think that they don't, I don't think that they feel like they're part of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so this makes more sense to annex that part. Those people, I think, would support that, at least for the most part, from what I've read. So we'll see. I, like I said, I, will it lead to a larger conflict in the region? I don't really think that that's true either. I think it'll be just like happened in 2014 when they took Crimea. People will shake their fist into the wind and and yell a lot, but I don't think there will be anything. I don't. I don't see us making any kind of moves. I, now, w- I wonder how much Russia is messing with their media in the Ukraine. You would think. I mean, they, well, there they, were cyber attacks against the government just last week. Right. They, they shut down multiple government websites, and 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 uh, I think they targeted specific uh, Ukrainian government, not just agencies, but people. You know, there's good farmland there. There's there um, there's other resources there that they might be, you know, wanting to uh, to utilize. Not just the people, uh, but you know, maybe the, they might want to run. There's I mean, there's trade routes that run through there as well. So maybe that's part of why they want that. But if nothing else, maybe it's a, a flex of power to reclaim something that you felt that you'd, that you'd lost. Also, and I just read this today, apparently, this is, this is complete speculation. I haven't seen anything that, that verifies this at all, but from what I have seen and read, there's some indication that Vladimir Putin feels betrayed by the West when we promised Russia after World War, oh, excuse me, after the end of the Cold War in the 90s, that, that no other countries would, ex, would expand into NATO. And that didn't happen. Like, there's a whole lot of them that came into NATO. And apparently, again, from what I've read, I have no idea if this is actually true, so I'd, I hesitate to really even say it. But it, it makes sense in the, in the, if I look at the overall context. If he feels a betrayal from the West expanding NATO, and that feels like a threat to him, especially since we've been loading up military there for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, I can see why he might like. you know what? If nothing else, I need a little bit more of a buffer here. I can right. see why they might do that. I'm not, I'm not justifying anything. I'm not suggesting that this is exactly what's happening. But I'm saying if I'm trying to look at it non-judgmentally, you know, as a nonpartisan, what's he doing and why? Like, that seems to make sense uh, to defend his country from what he sees as a threat. Now, but obviously here in the West, we're going to feel that this is a threat too. But I don't, I really think that, because I know a lot of people are looking at, go back to Biden, what are you going to do about that? I really, politically, international politics especially, I think his hands are tied. I don't think there's much we can do. But you know what I think a ramification with this will be when he isn't able to do anything and Russia does take that eastern side of Ukraine, political enemies of Biden's here in this country, and and maybe in other places too, uh, will say, you're weak. weak. I think think that a successful Russian incursion into eastern Ukraine nearly seals Biden-Harris loss in 2024. because Because people here will take that and use as political capital, people who are opposed to Biden, and will go, you're weak. Look, you should have done something, even though there's nothing that could be done as far as I can tell. You know what I'm saying? I, I, he, you're talking about being in a no-win situation. You said that with his COVID response. I think this is it, one of those two. But I think this long game, I think this could really hurt them politically. Well, and on a related note, uh, I think another threat that is similar to this is China taking Taiwan. Oh, God. Because Hong Kong has kind of been... Well, we, we have guaranteed, again, you need to back me up on this, or you need to tell me if I'm right, since you're U.S. history guy. Do we have a 
a an agreement or a pact or a treaty with Taiwan saying that we will militarily defend them, or is that just sort of lip service since the 19th? That's a great question that I've never even 40s. tried to research. You know, we had this understanding that we would protect the independence of Taiwan. Now, obviously, but, 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 but so, it, but yeah, but do you, is that? I know that's a verbal thing, and we've said oh, it over yeah. and over again. I but, don't know do, that we're think, tied to anything. I actually, I did some research on this a few months ago, and the growing consensus is that we don't do anything. Ugh. That we're not in the position to, and I don't, I don't know the relationship between Russia and China necessarily. Whether that is going to play a part in any of this. But definitely in our financial and military situation after leaving Afghanistan. Taiwan's one of the major uh, major economic powers in that region. Mm-hmm. If they fall to China like Hong Kong did, like that's, wow. I mean, I guess it could happen. I hadn't really thought. I know that there have been some maneuvers over there. You know, it was a big deal when Trump recognized, you know, when Taiwan called, I believe, and he spoke to recognizing them. Yeah. To China, that was a big insult. Well, sure. Because we'd never really done that, even though we're protecting them. And it's just like, it's such a weird relationship. And I just think, I don't know, this America seems weaker, especially after leaving Afghanistan the way we did, that debacle of trying to get out of there, mm-hmm. even though it was time. I think the, the whole I think the whole Afghan story, not just that ending moment, makes right. us look weak. I do too. And I think that's where China might be emboldened to, hey, if we're ever gonna do this You know what's also interesting, and I just I don't mean to beleaguer the point, but the you know, there's Russian troops in in uh, Kazakhstan right now. There was a there was an attempted I don't want to say coup, but maybe. Uh there were definitely riotous moments mm-hmm. in the yeah. capital city over high fuel prices and it turned into something even uglier and then troops were called that. in and there was fighting and people died and now they asked because Kazakhstan used to be part of the Soviet Union they've asked Russia to come through and I think they're part of the Commonwealth now as well ask Russian troops to come in to help them defend themselves against these uh, you know marauders from their own country and then the Russian troops have been in and are still as far as I know in Kazakhstan and they're killing people <laughs> like you're Yikes. no longer protesting you're not allowed Shablang. And so that's another expansion moment, too, if they decide to stay. Like, what if you just come on back into the fold, fellas? Mm. I mean, they're already kind of there anyway with the Commonwealth mentality, I suppose. I don't know. You have to military occupy them. Anyway. You're the world guy. My wonder is if before the end of the month, as you predict, but, you know, might not happen. It's a mild prediction. It's a mild prediction. I won't hold you to it on the next podcast. Okay, yes, please. You promised. I might be wrong. I kind of hope I'm wrong. Yeah. If it happens that Russia does take part or some of the Ukraine— and we do nothing, would that embolden China then hmm. to move on Taiwan? On Taiwan and go, okay, let's make let's see if they make that decision. Probably. Like maybe. why would they do that and not that, you know what I mean? Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Mm. You know, and then of course then that will Can elevate. Can we China's. actually cripple any other country with sanctions? Uh, because I think about they the, all have allies that help them. I think about mm-hmm. Napoleon's continental system and how he tried to crush British econo- economy with his nobody in Europe that I control will be allowed to deal with Britain, and that ended up backfiring and hurting him instead. You know, yeah. just, and le- and ultimately led to his downfall. So I wonder is there is there really? I mean, we can freeze assets and we can threaten this and we can tell anybody that you know, has, that deals with us that we can't, that won't allow them to trade with this other group. But I don't know. Is that, is that well, they think they say, and of course this is, they say whoever that is, but like the next big thing is not sanctions. It's not military movements. It's cyber war. Uh-huh. And somebody said, well, oh, what's the cyber war going to be like? Are we good at that? You it, think? I think we're okay at it. But when, when you ask the question, what's the cyber war going to look like? Somebody might say we're in it. Look what they're doing to they're turning us on each other through Facebook and bots and the TikTok. Like, we're we're going yeah, TikTok. We're going <laughs> we're giving them information about us. We're going through it now. You know, and of course China's shutting down their people. Like they, they you know, obviously their their social media is very limited. At ten PM they can't get on. Yeah, whatever. right. Yeah, sure. So, like they're kind of jumping on this thing early and they can do that in a land where they don't honor democracy and, you know, human rights as much. Uh, and we might be at a disadvantage because we don't do that. We have privacy rights. We have, so uh, we could be in the middle of the, a cyber war with these big countries and not even hardly recognize it because we are, we're turned on each other because of it. We're weirdly participating in something that we have no idea. Maybe. We're yelling about Hillary or Trump or all this 
And a lot of that was helped and encouraged by these countries mm-hmm. through social media. We're still doing it, thinking the other is the enemy. Okay, That's so scary. we need to be better at it then. We need, why aren't we, or maybe we are, maybe we just don't hear it. I mean, we have the best tech companies in the world, even though yeah, but, China's starting to come on. But once again, it's profit, it's, you know. How do you defend yourself against something like that, especially now that so many things are automated and grid systems and the communication systems and all these linked satellites and one, one, one appropriately placed, you know, Trojan horse in the system can like knock out. I just, you got to wonder, you know, mm-hmm. especially when all the cars are controlled by computers and they take away our steering wheels, which I'm going to continue to complain about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I found a CD um, of an old Christmas album I did mm-hmm. and because we were going to play All Thing Zion for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find a CD player to play it around the whole house. <laughs> I finally had to get in my wife's car to play it uh-huh. because my truck doesn't have it. It's a new truck. And yeah. th- we didn't have a single, any of that. That seems so crazy. weird. It's it is weird. We are dependent on this technology, and this technology might divide our country and be what you know what you know another country takes advantage of. Darn you, MP3s dividing this country. Isn't that Sun Tzu? The art of war turned the enemy on themselves. Oh sure. Yeah. So yeah. So as they're unifying in Russia, and they're unifying because they can control the media censorship. Their people don't know what's going on. I don't know if on. unifying is the right word. I would say consolidating power, centralizing power, deceiving their people. Yeah. Uh, into thinking there, we have enough freedom in our, and we're turning on each other. It's really kind of a scary thing. I, I, I might have mentioned this on a podcast. I definitely talked to my class about that Gallup poll that came out and listed the biggest external threat to America. And for the first time ever, the number one answer was the other side. It wasn't coronavirus. It wasn't a nuclear war. It, it, the number one answer was the liberals or the right-wing conservatives oh, wow. or racism. or It had to do with the, the culture war. Huh. That's not good. No. Nope. That's not good. That, that That's who what most people think, of the people that took the poll, of course, uh, the thousands of people that took the poll. We that just was had this conversation in my, in my uh, 10th grade classes about nationalism and how fragile that actually can be, you know, especially in a multi-ethnic, multi-religious. We're so diverse yeah. that— how do, how do you find a sense of unity amongst all those people? And up to this point, we have argued, whether we've fulfilled that or not, but we've argued that the diversity is our strength. Well, that can also be our undoing if we're not careful to maintain connectivity and conversations between those different groups. I mean, if, if everybody subdivides and fights like hell, like we're in trouble. And we're already kind of seeing this, the beginnings of that. But we can, we've seen, we've been down these paths before, and I, hopefully we can turn this around. I mean, I, 1968. Like you want to see a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you want to see all this flare up. Go to 1968 and go look at some stuff happening then, and I, it will remind you of some things that we're looking at right now. So we can, we we can change that direction, but I but I don't know. I mean, is there a is there a tipping point? Is there a is there a you know point of no return? I don't know. I mean, I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I don't have time to go into this now. But like we had been talking, I'm teaching the Gilded Age, which is so similar to today in so many ways. You know, you have the monopolies and the government wondering what to do about these monopolies. Well, today you have the five tech companies that control information. The government's wondering what to do about them. You've got build a wall today. Back then it was Chinese exclusion. Immigration was a Mm -hmm. big problem. You've got race emerging as a big factor with segregation back then and voting rights for both. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court gutted the Civil Rights Act. Um, In the slaughterhouse cases, it it, it gutted the 14th Amendment. You know, today it's the voting rights. There's so, I mean, I could go down the list. I've got like 20 things in a voter suppression. We have higher voter turnout, political participation. You know, it was like 80% of eligible voters voted in the Gilded Age. And because of Trump, to some degree, we're at 50% now, which is a record high in this century. Um, you know, we got protests now, you got strikes and labor violence back then. And like, it's, there's so, there's a lot of parallels. And like I kind of kiddingly say, well, Teddy Roosevelt came along and really start, we focused outward. Who we were able Teddy to, Roosevelt? Exactly. I'm, I'm not saying Teddy Roosevelt did everything good. No, that's... Well, but he, he got us to focus on America 
looking outward at the world. There's, he's, and, nobody's perfect, and I, but but you can look at some of the things he did accomplish that helped the country, and we can focus on that. And too. maybe saved us yeah. from ourselves. Can you focus on his negativity? I mean, yeah, you can definitely do that, and I think it's fair to do that. The the things he did that we see as problematic now, especially, but that does not that does not erase. Mm-hmm. some of the positive things that he was able to do. And so I think that we need to be careful. That's what I was saying a while ago about trying to be, when, when as, as historian-minded people, like we try to be as nonpartisan as we can to try to understand something in its context as opposed right. to, and you're welcome to make value judgments on it all the time you want to, but at the same time, as we promote this through the lens of teaching and understanding, like we have to be able to look at all those sides and and not say, well, this out overshadows That's that. That's exactly, like today we read a primary source of Frontier Thesis. Uh, which basically made the argument. It was it was uh, written by a historian in 1893 after the census closed the frontier. We've settled it. It's over. People were a little anxious about that because we was always moving west. And and the argument is the frontier was that made America unique. And of course, I tie that into American exceptionalism. And I'm telling the kids, I'm like, look, you know, I heard a, actually yesterday on the news, conservatives were upset at American history teachers like me because they weren't teaching about American exceptionalism. I do teach about it. And I also teach about the negatives. I teach about America in a positive light and, you know, the beacon of democracy of the time and you know, whatever. And I also teach about, you know, the Filipino War and, you know, killing 200,000 Filipinos because they wanted their independence and we didn't Fair want Fair and balanced. We, I present no, I'm both saying, sides. But no, I'm being serious. Like exactly. That, you, that's the way we need to do that. Yeah, we, we, I present both sides to the kids and let them look at the evidence. I don't, you know, and this is... I think is that's a, one of the great things about the way we do this, especially exactly. with you, myself, Nixon. Uh, we don't tell you what to think. We don't tell you how to think. We present things and let you let you then grapple with them. I don't have an agenda other than to get you to think about stuff. And the problem with social media, going back to our conversation, what's dividing America is people are only presented one side Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over and over again because of the algorithms. Whatever they already kind of agree with, they're just going to get way more of that. And pretty soon they can't even see the other side. So that's why I really stress we got to look at both sides. You know, and I tell the kids, like, when you leave my class, if you don't do anything else, be able to hold two opposing views in your head at the same time. You know, it's okay to do that. You don't have to say it's this way or that way. It can be a little of both. And Mm. the truth could be in the middle somewhere. And I think more Americans have to challenge themselves to look at both sides. I think that's the only thing that gets us through this, unless a pandemic hits. No, wait, that didn't work. (laughs) Because I thought for sure that would work. Holy moly, what's it going to take? If not this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, anyhow, uh, you know, we had the progressive reform era in the early 20th century, and then World War I. And then, of course, the Great Depression got us focused on economics. I don't know what's going to happen to unify us, but I do think it's more Americans looking at both sides. And and, uh, and looking at the other side, not as enemies, but as Americans. Mm-hmm. Americans with opposing views. Exactly. Because, we, you know, if we want a country, if we want a country, that's what it's going to take. And well, people if, don't if, realize that this country protects us. This is something that we talked about, too. If one group decides that they want to exclusively own what it means to be patriotic, like that's a, that is dangerous. It's dangerous, dangerous. But I've seen it happen in multiple countries over multiple centuries. And you, if you're going to have, again, especially in a country that is diverse as ours, other countries have come and gone that were as diverse as ours and were as strong or stronger than we are now. And they are no longer on that map in the political boundaries that they had because they couldn't find a way to come together. Not saying that you have to love everybody equally. Not saying that you have to everybody be friends. You can still have your own opinions and do your own thing. But at the same time, we have to have some sort of mutual respect that other people do have opinions and we need to be able to at least listen to them. Whether we're convinced by them or not is not the point. But that everybody has a part to play and and everybody's, you know, like the, the opportunity to be fully participating and to feel that when we have patriotic things like the 4th of July and we say our pledge and we and we sing our songs, that that means something to everybody who's here. Like yep. It needs to mean something to you. And yep. if it doesn't, that's why I actually said this to my class. If, if, you listen to the, if you listen to the national anthem and you have a hollow feeling inside, something's wrong. Right. I don't know how to fix that other than to say that we need to talk to each other. Yes, ideas, conversations. I mean, that's all we have without resorting to violence. Just share... You know, and that's like just like what you said. Both extremes are bad. Extreme patriotism, where America's never done anything wrong, bad. And the other side, where America's never done anything right, 
bad. It's not patriotic to tell me that you can't criticize authority because we were based on that, if nothing else. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, extremes. Yeah, the moderate is where we have to end up. We've got to. That's all we have. Um, and I don't know if it's going to take a presidential leader or if it's going to start at the local level, which it usually has in the past, like the progressive era. Um, I don't know. But hey, I, let's let's talk about our trip real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I'll yes, we are going. We're yeah. going. I, and I think we're going to go. I think they're going to say, just like the school, we're in session. We're going on our trip. Mask up. Vaccinate. Let's roll. And so, yeah, we're going here in just a couple months. Right? Yep. Yeah. We're going. 40-something school days. And yep. then we're off. We're probably going to land in Rome, I assume. Maybe Athens. But we're going to land in Rome and then go to Florence. Spend a few days in both places. Then take a ferry across the sea to Greece and spend a day or two in Athens. And that's a 10-day trip for spring break. And you said you've been to Athens before. I have, but it's been so long ago. I really have spotty memories of Athens because it was at it was at the end of the trip. I think mm. we flew in, though, but it was at the end of the trip after Rome. I think it was the first time I ever saw Rome. So it was like the first time Florence, oh, oh, oh. Rome. I think I did... Um, Oh, the Leaning Tower, Pisa, yeah, all that, and then we did a day in Athens and flew out. Oh, so it was and quick. so it's like I just remember the ancient city on top, uh, like you can see it from everywhere. Yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, and I watched the movie Troy. The I remember we Pitt. watched an outdoor movie Troy with the Parthenon over our shoulder. Oh, that's cool. So I remember that. That's kind of all I remember. I mean, you know, it's Greece. It was a city. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to go back there. I'm, I'm excited to go see our friends in Rome and other parts of Italy. Uh, but having not been to uh, Greece, like that's going to be cool too. That, that'll be a nice. I hope. I hope it's. A, I hope it's the adventure we want it to be, and it's not as restricted as it could be. You know, in yeah. a, in, a, in two months' time. From what we're seeing with the countries that have already dealt with this Omicron stuff, like they're they're kind of peaking and starting to go off the other side of the, like it's starting to, you know, it's starting to get better. Do I say that? I, I hope that that's the right. Yeah, phrase. I mean, hope it's getting better. And so by the time we get there, hopefully we're on the downstroke here as well, and then we can just like click click and go on about our business. That's what we want to have happen. I really, really, yeah, I'm, and and you know, I'm going to keep trying to do these trips. I mean, next year, yeah, because there's the so plan great. is Paris, yeah. nor up to Normandy, and then across the Channel to London. And you know, if you know, if parents are listening, we're going to take care of your kids as best we can, and this could be once in a lifetime. And you know, we're going to be, the, and the company's never going to. They don't. They don't put profits over people, as far as I know. We've never no. experienced that in the time frame that I've known them. I know you've known them a lot longer, but they do care about the people who are on the trips with them and they want them to have a good time and they won't put us in harm's way. Like they're really conscientious about that. So just if you're again, if yeah, same thing. If you and, and if like a virus breaks out in Italy, they can, they'll take us to Greece and they'll leave us there for a while. They're going to, they're going to know on the ground because they have EF all over the place. They're going to know what's happening. And they've even put in more safety protocols since two years ago, the last time we went. I watched a video on it yesterday that all group leaders have to watch. So we're going to go. I think it's going to be great. I mean, you know, you've been to Rome. You've been to Florence. Mm -hmm. uh, this will be your first spillover into Greece, which every year you teach about yeah. Greece. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to see it with your own eyes. You're going to walk in the footsteps of Socrates and Plato and all those guys. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is to go see it. Lay your eyes on it. Um. And, you know, we are heavily influenced by Greece and Rome. Europe is. And your family name, you found out, tracks to... Okay, well, so it's a little, more, story. It's a little more complicated than that. So the family name, Franklin, tracks back to England. Mm -hmm. So we're, that's, that we're English-British as far as the I Franklin bet you get the Ben goes. Franklin comparisons. Yeah, constantly. a lot. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that makes sense. Dr. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his face is on some of my money. Not mm -hmm. as much as I'd like. Um, but my on my dad's side of the family, his so the Franklin side joined in with a group with my, my great-grandfather's uh, uh, surname was Robertson, which then we found out at some point was Robert's son. And they, when they moved to the Americas, you know, things get switched around sometimes oh, yeah. with names. Mm -hmm. Well, we were able to trace them back through like ancestry and some other things, like trace them back to Scotland. 
And so that was really cool. So we've got Scottish heritage. I knew from DNA tests, because we've done the 23andMe thing, I knew that I had Scottish heritage, but I wasn't sure like how it got there, which direction. So I kind of assumed, because Robertson is kind of a you know Scottish thing, mm-hmm. Robert the Bruce and all those boys. Based on that, we were feeling pretty cool about ourselves. You know, hey, we've Absolutely. been able to trace some things back, and this is neat. And, and so, you know, pat on the back, we know our stuff. Well, for Christmas, my wife surprises me with a um, a certificate and a and a portrait that they had done. So she actually, based on what we found out about my family heritage, uh, got onto a, a website, found there's a conservation area in the Highlands, and there's a company that has bought land. That and I, and I found out more about this since I talked to you about it last. Uh, they are not only conserving this land; they're actually like reverting it back to its natural state they've taken land that was farmed commercially for um like sheep grazing or maybe crops or trees like they had brought in non-native species and things and had really commercialized this land like full tilt and now these guys have been spending now decade more than a decade buying land and taking away the the damage from the commercial properties and reinvesting the, all the money that they get back into the environment itself, replanting native trees, bringing back native species, like really awesome. preserving the land. And so basically how they get the money to do that is they sell small parcels. And so anyway, my, my wife bought us some land in Scotland and we don't have the right to improve it. We can't build houses and stuff like that. But at the same time, our money's gone to help with this conservation effort. And, and I get like an official certificate. Here's you go on land. And, you know, you we, could actually can, we can go visit like it. The, yeah. Okay, so and, you know longitude, latitude. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. So awesome. part of the part of the part of the package that we bought also gives us the latitude and longitude. I can see it on Google Earth. <laughs> I can see exactly where I can go if we go and visit. I can go to this this group that they have a they have a facility there, and they'll take us out to where it is, and you can march around and they talk about the conservation stuff. And so anyway, they're like stewards of the environment, and I find that really really cool. And now we're part of that. And I got a cool portrait that goes along with it as like a Scottish yeah, board. And, yeah, awesome. so it's just it's just really cool. I told my wife she wins Christmas this year because Absolutely. she surprised me with that. I had no idea they were doing that. So Maybe we, if we make it to London, we can make a quick trip. You can stand there with <laughs> a quick, the quick flag <laughs> and somebody from, you know, we can take a picture from. <laughs> when to get on somebody's Learjet and zip up there really quick. You know? Yeah, just take a quick trip to Scotland. <laughs> hmm. So, I, But we do plan to go there someday to see it. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I need to research more of my heritage. I know I'm my Pumphrey name is from Wales, and I actually was in Wales. And my dad said, "Hey, that's where we're from. You know, see if you can find the name Pumphrey anywhere." Mm-hmm. Well, we went to a, a pretty decent church, and right outside was a cemetery. I found every name I knew except for Pumphrey. Oh, <laughs> I <man>. don't know. <laughs> so somewhere in Wales, and it, I know how it's spelled. It's P O M F R E Y. So Palm. Pomfrey, yeah. yeah. If you actually, there's a character in the Harry Potter series, Madame Pomfrey. Oh, okay. And it's spelled that way. And when they came to America, they slowly changed the name as yeah. always. But we came early, like 1660s, oh, yeah. part of the Quaker oh, wow. yeah. movement that came to Virginia. So I know a little bit about it by Pomfrey's side, but you know, it, it, just like your family, when you have start you done looking. The, have you done the DNA thing? I have not. See, we, I was hesitant, but I'm like, you know what? No, fine. Let's do it. And we did. And I was really fascinated to find out. I kind of knew that we were mostly European. I kind of yeah. knew that, you know. Uh, I knew English, and I we kind of assumed Scottish. I knew Irish, and I knew uh, some German. I, I knew those things. I didn't know what and to what degree any of those things were, but, I, you know, yeah. we kind of had the feeling that those were there. Also found out that I've got uh, some French heritage, and which doesn't make too – it's not too far of a leap to think about, you know, Normandy and, you know, so. And I think – I remember when we first did the, we were going to send off for the for the packet or whatever to do the testing, you know, the DNA testing. It's one of the things they said is like, look, like, don't freak out if you get some results that you didn't expect because our heritages are his, our, our heritages are complicated, more complicated than you might realize. And apparently, you know, I, I think they were talking more about paternity, but right, I can see yeah. that with I can see that with family history Part too. Part poodle. <laughs> <What? laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, like I've I've heard stories about. You know, this guy going, hey, uh, you know, Uncle Tom, I have more DNA related to him than I do this other guy. I thought this guy was my dad. Well, come to find out, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like And I've, Neanderthal DNA I've as seen, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's in there too. Yeah, I've seen some of that. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen it. I've seen stories where it's, you know, messed up families because they couldn't deal with the results. It that's revealed crazy. something that they were 
unable to grapple with yeah. for whatever reason, you know. Oh, and yeah, so, sure. um, but yeah, but I, I, you know, I thought it was kind of, it's really an interesting thing. I'm glad we did it, you know, because mm. like I said, it's fun to, to see the percentages of things too. And then to go, okay, well, where does all this tie together? Ha, who, ha, so many things had to come together to make me, you know what I mean? That's, oh, yeah. And that's a weird thought too. Everybody's life, uh, you know, it all has to funnel down somehow. And the, 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 the chances of that all coming together to create I, me I, as an individual, like that's, that's almost beyond my comprehension. It's a good way really. to end it. I, I think that, I think you've did, done it. This is what brings us together. If 23 and me is going to unite <laughs> us as a human race and we realize that our differences We're really all the same people. We're really from everywhere and we're all kind of the same and there's no reason to be mad at your neighbor. All right, that is the that podcast. Is we will see you on the flip-flop. Goodbye.